You are now entering the Bloodless. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello. Hello. You're on the bright side with Kevin and Jason. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I'm your other co-host, Jason T. Gaffney. And we're back again. Yay. Yay. Welcome back. Welcome back to your ears. What? We're in their ears. Oh, okay. I thought you were welcoming welcoming me back to my ears. Welcome back to your ears, Kevin. That was a very weird thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Cavern of Sound. Cavern of Sound. Perhaps that's true. It's an educational musical video. (laughs) Here is the hammer bone. Here is the anvil. That's great. Wow. I just want some popcorn so I can watch the show. (laughs) Wow, uh, so how you doing? You are, it feels like you're in a wacky mood. I'm in a wacky mood? Good, I, like on behalf of all of our listeners, good. <laughs> it's going to be a weird episode, I I'm hope just so. telling you. Is it? And I tell you what. Uh, what? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you had a nice week? I did. I uh, the, the news was not upsetting to me the last couple of days. Oh no, the news has been great. But before we talk about the news this week, we can talk about, we are people... Who vacation together now? Yay! How cool is that? I feel very grown up. It was me too. Me too. So uh, to it was our exciting, it we, was exciting. We, we had a shower door explode. Oh, that was crazy. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, so Jason and Matt and uh, Nick and I all went to Palm Springs for the weekend, uh, and so we're you know we went on a double date vacation uh, vacation which was amazing and i yeah. just loved that it was so much fun yeah we so played cool. a game that i kept losing yeah so we, also known as every game we played no i won the other game did you yes I nick and i that. kicked your butt oh I, that's why i blocked it out <laughs> <laughs> there's no records of it there's no paper trail so people will never know i think that there's three witnesses other than you yeah maybe but one of them can't testify against me <laughs> But he will. So that makes two against two. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it was super. It was super great, and I had a r- wonderful time. And thank you. Yay! Thank you. Absolutely. And so yeah, and and the Saturday night. So we had this like suite with two bedrooms in it on either side, and, and like a living room area in it the was middle. Really nice. By great the way. room. Well, the, well, until <laughs> Saturday night, we're all in our various beds, and uh, there's a shattering sound so loud that that. I, it scared we were two rooms away and it scared us i thought somebody had like dropped some dishes in the kitchen but what had happened what had happened was matt and i were in bed and the shower door just exploded yeah it was a giant glass door and it literally just cracked yeah and and it sprayed glass all over the place right and with my great instinct, I didn't know what it was. I ran towards the bathroom because that's where the noise was. And I sleep naked. Right. And I Once again, you're running naked toward the problem. Yep. <laughs> and I stepped on a piece of glass. But thankfully, it was tempered, so it was more round. So it still hurt. It felt like a rock. Oh. But I didn't get a cut. That's good. But immediately, I was like, Matt, stay back. And then... <sighs> And it was very scary. Yeah. And they had to send people to come. People had to come. And and they had to escort us to a new room. Right. We had to move rooms in the middle of the night. It was an adventure. It was an adventure. It was a real adventure. But other than that, it was all food and pool. And I loved it. Uh, There were otter pops. It was 120 degrees in the damn desert. And it was wonderful. And there were duck parades. Yep. Yep. 
the ducks kept coming to try to get me to feed them. They did that for you in the mornings because yeah. you are awake in the mornings. You're the kind of person who gets up in the morning time. I didn't try to do it. Well, but you do it anyway. You're that kind of person. It's true. I'd be totally fine if I never saw morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> if it's technically afternoon. Well, you still see morning when you stay up till morning. Well, sure. No, that's how I like to see morning, from the first side of it. Yeah. Yeah, when it's new. Okay, not when yeah. it's not when it, like your morning is like it's already six seven hours old. You don't want to see the Useless. morning after the fun night. No, you don't I want to wake up right next there. to morning. You want morning to have packed up and left. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Before you wake up, absolutely, yeah. Otherwise, uh, that's, uh, sometimes I, that's why I pretend to be asleep until morning leaves. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to do it again. I can't wait. I mean, we're going to do Palm Springs again for the Palm Springs uh, Film Festival. Film Festival. Analysis Paralysis going to the Palm Springs Gay Film Festival. Yeah, which is so exciting. Congratulations, and, team. Yes. And then we'll be doing it again in Chicago. Right, for the reeling. Like, literally days after Film Festival. You know, yeah. literally days. Yeah. Lots of fun stuff coming down, down the pike, yeah? Yeah. So, yeah, it's been really... Uh, it was a really cool week. And we're going to talk about some other stuff that happened many, many years ago, I expect. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know what we're going to talk about. It's going to be real. Uh, good. <laughs> shall we? Uh, shall we dive into the rest of uh, the show today? Yeah, or... let's do it. All right, fantastic. Those who listen to us regularly know that we talk about the bright spot every week. Yay! It's the little contribution to the show that I have. It's a great contribution. Well, I I certainly try, but uh, <laughs> nothing. You next said that to so your... defensively. I try. I okay. Compliment. <laughs> I do. I try. <laughs> And now, lately, I try to find things that aren't just schadenfreude, because my husband doesn't like it when I just take pleasure in Trump's cronies <laughs> going down. So I will talk about my bright spot this week, which was that yesterday was my birthday. Yay! Happy birthday! Thank you so much. Birthdays are weird because, I, you know, my mom, I appreciate what she did, but all I've done is not die for this many years. That's an achievement. I guess. Well, the more years I string together, it becomes more of an achievement, for sure. Um, but I did another year around the sun without dying, which is exciting. Yay! Um, but so the birth, my birthday was lovely, and um, I worked in the morning, and then I put out last week's episode of the podcast, and I was excited that I could get it out on my birthday, you know, on a regular day. I was, I was excited and surprised. Yeah. I was, I was. I would not have blamed you if you wanted to just go out and have a good time. I wouldn't. Well, I that is my good time. My good time is this. Aww. So, yeah, you're my good time. You're Yay. my good time guy, Jason. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and then what we did was my husband had found a turtle in the no, property where we live. You're right? keeping it? No, we're not keeping the turtle. <laughs> but he told me we had to go over to um, his sister's house to give the turtle to the boys, the nephews, right? His nephews. So you didn't find the actual owners? Well, no, but we created new owners for the thing. <laughs> <laughs> An eight and a ten-year-old boy, and they're very super happy to have the turtle. Yay. Who is a girl named Homer. I love it. Yeah, don't I'm look too far. I'm judge yeah. her name. Good, good. Or choice. Okay. So he said that we had to get the turtle over there, right? So I was just doing that. And uh, so we took the turtle over to the, his nephew's house. But then his sister and the nephews and his brother-in-law uh, uh, had lovely cards and cupcakes and things for me. And we played games and we had a wonderful little family Aww. gathering, impromptu and surprise. I love that. And then Nick and I went to Oil Can Harry's for country western dancing. That's wonderful. Which we do sometimes, as you know. And it was just a really lovely day, you know. And, and, and I just was all day long thinking, I'm just grateful for my life. 
And so it was a really uh, bright spot day, especially because I've never been this old before. And I thought that maybe I'd be upset about turning this age, 39. But I'm not, you know, and I'm, I love where my life is. And, I, you know, I'm very grateful for it. So it was a bright spot. Yay. And yeah. everyone who is listening, I'm going to speak for you. We're all grateful that you're here. Oh, okay. You're speaking for everyone who's listening? I'm speaking for everyone. Down and back. Put your hand down, okay? No one wants to hear from you. <laughs> You've been spoken for. <laughs> all right. So that's my bright spot. Now, what do you got? All right. Are we ready for this? Yeah. How are you going to top that? We're going to top that. Oh, good. If I, if anyone's going to top it, it would be you. Yay. Yay. It's showtime. Great. Break a leg. Oh, thank you. Mared. I appreciate it. Thank don't you. say good luck. I won't. Curtain up. Don't say the Scottish play. Wait in the wings. Okay. That's right. We're going to chew the scenery All and right. uh, get the show on the road because the show must go on. <laughs> Even if the show is Macbeth. Oh, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> Are we talking about Macbeth? Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the curse of the Shakespearean really? stage production of Macbeth. <gasps> oh, cool. And a bit about how it would lead to one of the worst tragedies involved in the theater. What? Yep. All right. Yeah. Okay, so I know the thing. I'm an actor. I know we don't say the Scottish play. We don't say all the all the stuff you just went through. It's yeah. really perfect, wonderful cliches for actors. Thank Welcome you for all of them. Welcome to the theater. <laughs> to the Great White Way. Oh, we're treading the boards today. Watch the, out for the ghost light. The Broadway. <laughs> Why do we say it's the Great White Way, by the way? Is it like because we were old and racist back then? I don't know. I actually don't know. But it is I called th- the Great White Way, Yeah, right? but I think it's because of the electricity. Oh, uh, okay. I think, because it was one of the st- first streets to have like a lot of electric lights on it, I think. That makes sense. Thank you. I'm by it. But I could be wrong. So, Macbeth would lead to, in 1849, on May 10th, mm-hmm. at the now-gone Astor Opera House. Okay. The Astor Place riots would take place, and somewhere between 22 and 31 people were left dead in its wake. What?! Because of Macbeth. What? Yep. Okay, you you just you just shoved that right in. Yep. No uh, lubrication at all. You just went right there. Well, you wanted me to top. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I asked for it. You're right. This but, is what uh, I get. Before we get to this death and destruction, let's jump into the show, Macbeth. Are you topping? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Let's enter Macbeth. <laughs> the safe word is Duncan. Okay. <laughs> so uh, for those out in the theater, mm-hmm. I know you're supposed to call it the Scottish play mm-hmm. when you're in the theater, but I'm not in the theater, so I can call it Macbeth. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're you're a theater person, but you're not in a theater yeah. now. So McFuck off with your <laughs> McFucking rules. Okay, all right. But God, I'm a little angry at people who were like are not here. <laughs> I'm in a weird mood. Okay, okay, but. If you do say Macbeth in a theater, you will be punished. Yes, you will. And it will not be pleasurable punishment. No. Exceptions for when you say it are when if you're, if you're in, in a, the play. play performance. And I right. think for rehearsals, I think rehearsals are okay, but I don't know if you're supposed to like, I'm talking about this character, no. Scottish play. <laughs> like, <laughs> that'd be really well, weird to feel like... How could you like... say it's, it's, it's the Scottish play on his way? I mean, how could you... Hark, <laughs> here comes the Scottish play. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. No. What about Lady of the Scottish Play? <laughs> Listen here, Lady Scottish Play. 
<laughs> all right. So what were you saying? Sorry. So the uh, the punishments all have slight variations, okay. but they stem from basic the basic same thing. Okay. More or less, the person who has defiled the theater space must spin in a circle three times. Mm-hmm. For those more extremist people, go outside and walk around the building three times. Okay. You have to spit over your left shoulder and then say a line from a different Shakespearean play. Oh. But there's also if you're a really extreme person, you they make you go outside. Then you have to say Macbeth three times as you brush yourself off like you went through a spider web. Good lord. Then you have to be invited back in uh, and if you aren't like, like a then, vampire yeah you're not gonna be like you're gonna have a bad night if people don't like you in the cast well that's true like you're so like have you ever lived through these superstitions yourself like have you done Macbeth no have you ever done that no, no I've never done Macbeth and I've never said it because I'm polite and I also <laughs> don't I know theater people are fucking crazy yeah, yeah. and they will shove you out of yeah. theater and say have you done Shakespeare I have okay I've done much ado about nothing there we go yeah so it's also called the Bard's Play oh I didn't know that that one's weird to me but I'm like okay but, you know, the bard... are they all the bard's play? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Shakespeare wrote a lot of plays. If you're going right. to say... Like, here's the thing. If you're not going to say the name out loud, which is totally fair, then at least give it a more specific name than that of, like, the bard's play. Right, you could be talking about Troilus and Cressida. Right. Who knows? So I prefer the scary death play where a king of Scotland kills people to climb up to the top via advice from his wife only to lose his life play. Mm-hmm. They say that in Massachusetts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear. We just went with Scottish play. We're not being so specific as to cause a, a riot oh or a curse, you okay. know? Sure. Um, other names include that play oh, okay. and the unmentionable. Sure. There are some people who also think that even using set pieces or props from production of Macbeth will fuck up the next production. Okay, these people are crazy, but So, sure. like, and I'm, like, as a producer, I would be so fucked if I couldn't use anything from my prior <laughs> film shoots. Sure. Like, I don't have the money for that. Right. And also, talk about not being green, like, reduce, well, reuse, recycle, McWaster. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right, the show keeps getting performed, right? Sure. And uh, you'd think that audiences wouldn't want to go see a cursed play, right? Right. Wrong. They do. Okay. They really want to see it. I, it's really I, popular. I actually, yeah... I think yes, they would. They would. I'm right? changing my mind. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> people are drawn to you know gory shit and, and tragedy. And tragedy. And, yeah. And, you know. And there's mystery around this show. Exactly. So okay, another thing that back in the day actors would worry about mm-hmm. was if the word Macbeth would pop up in the producer's mouth, then that meant that their show was about to be canceled and replaced with Macbeth because it was a surefire hit. This is crazy. No, but that but that's what I'm saying is that like right. that's the reason that people don't like it when you say Macbeth. They created this curse because they're like, don't say Macbeth, because if you say Macbeth, I'm going to be out of the job. Right. And I'm Unless afraid I get of unemployment. In Macbeth. In Macbeth, yeah. <laughs> All right, so how did the show come to be, right? Right. Shakespeare wrote it? Well, yes, he did. Oh, great, but... good, I got it right. <laughs> you get an A. Um, <laughs> when King James I would take the throne after Elizabeth I, mm-hmm. people really wanted to please him. And William Shakespeare was trying to pay homage to uh, not just the new king, but also his hobbies. Demonology. Oh. Killing Uh, people. (laughs) Blood. (laughs) Witchcraft. King James apparently wrote a whole book slash paper on the subject called Demonology. Oh, that's Uh, right. And uh, this book paper thing would be later used to help figure out who was a witch later on. Right. And all the playwrights were about writing plays with witches and demons to honor King James. Right. Because he was, like, into it. Christopher Marlowe Mm -hmm. would uh, write Dr. Faustus Mm -hmm. in 1604, and the show scared England even more about witchcraft. Okay. Because they're like, ooh, witches. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh, you see that witch is scary. Ooh. I love your impression of all of England. Ooh. 
<laughs> oh! Okay. <laughs> so, Shakespeare would write Macbeth shortly after that. Okay. The show shows a wrong king take the throne from the correct king and then get replaced by the, the next correct king. Okay. There was some mirroring to King James in his life because his father, King Charles, was executed and eventually King James would take the crown. So it's kind I of see. like a like a mirror homage to I what's see. happening. This, this is like kissing up to the king, right. saying you're the rightful king, and, yeah. and this person who took your throne will be killed and you replace them. Okay. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's like congrats on being a good king play. Yeah, yeah okay. good job. Well done. Well done. Great, great kinging. Good job, king. Yeah. Up, up, chip, chip. <laughs> After the show was seen by King James, it would be banned from being performed in England for five years. <laughs> also, it was real popular. <laughs> because even though King James liked witchcraft and demons, he like really didn't like this show because it was like it's too real. Whoa. Uh, too creepy for King James and all that. Too right. too cursed. The play is cursed, right? Sure. But how? I don't... Did the curse begin? I don't know. That's what I asked you like five minutes ago before you went <laughs> onto all the Shakespeare shit. Ooh, witches! <laughs> <laughs> please, please, all of England, tell me how it started. Ooh! <laughs> oh, you see those witches? <laughs> My voice is fucking shot. I can't even keep doing Mine it. Mine too! <laughs> So then, it's because we do this for you, people. Yeah, that's all we do is this show for you, and we're just killing our voices. I have a Dell nodes on my voice now. So the main theory about the curse okay. is that the weird sisters or the witches right. basically are saying real spells. Oh, that, this is the, this is the thought. Yeah, that it's real, it's real magic, it's real. Yeah, it's like this, the first Blair Witch Project. Yeah, it's real, you guys. Yeah. Oh my god, this is so real. It's. Actual. Yeah, it's like... It's real <laughs> witchcraft. Boy, oh, boy, oh, no, I'm trouble. No, no, say it, it's real. <laughs> oh, my God, you guys, that scene you did was so real. I literally grew warts all <laughs> over my body because it was a curse about warts. Tiffany, you had those before. Ooh. Ooh. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Shakespeare really did do research into witchcraft and wanted it to be as real as possible because okay. he wanted to kiss up. So this apparently pissed off some of the real witches. Oh, real. And uh, they placed a curse on the show as a result of offense <laughs> and that he would use their sacred spells in uh-huh. the, the play. Uh-huh. Talk about a stiff plagiarism punishment, you know? Like What? They're like, you oh, curse our play? words, I'm a curse your play. I, don't piss off witches. I mean, yeah. that's not that hard. So some people think that if you actually cast real witches in the roles of the Weird Sisters, then the show won't be cursed. Because it's like you're casting the right people in the right role. But it's like it's like Children of a Lesser God, where you want to cast deaf people, uh-huh. but with witches. Yeah, but so your answer to there are real spells in the play is getting real people who who could perform those spells to say those real spells, and you're saying that that's going to solve the problem. Yes, that's dumb. <laughs> that's fucking stupid. <laughs> At the very least, you can get what you should get is the most inept witches you can find. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. Because then it won't work. Because other people do think that the chance he added to the shows being real spells are actually the curse in and of itself. Okay. And that's why the show is cursed. Oh, is that Every time you say it, you're cursing the same show. Right. Basically, if you even just say the name in passing, it's supposed to, like, right. fuck up the world. Right. So, like, think, like, Voldemort from Harry Potter. Thinking of him? Sorry. Okay. So he must not be named. Sorry. Or Voldemort. Right. Because I don't fucking... 
subject myself to superstition. Good job, Jason. You are not scared of a fictional character. Not you. Yeah, I do always check the shower curtain behind if I'm alone at home because I'm always like afraid that like there'll be a monster. Okay. So, <laughs> But you're not afraid of Voldemort, so no, that's cool. He can suck my hairy balls. Okay. So, no, he's not allowed. He didn't get permission. Or do you mean Ray Fiennes himself could do that? You're allowing Is him to do that? Is that who played it? What? Is that who played him? Yes. Well, good for you, Ray Fiennes. <laughs> it's not like news. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He had a mask on. They got rid of his nose. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Macbeth would have its world premiere on August 7th. 1606. Okay. But it would not have a super smooth opening night. All right. Because the young man, Hal Barrage, who was playing Lady Macbeth... Sure. ...would die of a fever. Really? Which would cause Shakespeare himself to have to play the role. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It is great. <laughs> yes, it is. Shakespeare's like, oh, Macbeth... Ooh. Uh, no, uh, Will, William, it's coming off too much like all of England. <laughs> Ooh, no, no, is. we need it more one person <laughs> than everyone. Ow, Macbeth! Better, better. <laughs> double, double, toil and stubble. You wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bit of nip of whiskey. I'm real stage, Freddy. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so... From pretty much then on, Macbeth has been a shit show to the world. All right. And is causing strife and harm ever since. Okay. Here are some of the cases. And mind you, I, I highlighted the best. There okay. are many, many more. Wow. Like, I could have written an entire hour of just cases of problems with Macbeth. Wow. But we don't have time for that. No. So Google it. But here are <laughs> some of the cases where people think that the curse caused the people who said the name of the play or even performing the play harm. Right? Mm-hmm. In 1672, the prop dagger was replaced by a real dagger, oh. and the character playing King Duncan was killed. What? I think that's not so much the show's doing and more of a showgirls moment. Yeah, that sounds like a murder situation, sure. Showgirls. Well, okay, it's 16... So this whole thing happened, you know, it's been going on for 500 years. And then play, that so. actor rubbed ice on their chest. And flopped around in a pool like a fish. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Perfect. All right, so then again, in 1947, another actor was killed by actually being stabbed by a sword. Okay. There would be another stabbing in 1882, but this time a doctor was in the house and it was not fatal. Yay. Yay. This show has a lot of fighting in it and a lot of weapons, and the fact that people are getting harmed by swords is common because we're human. Sure. So, like, people make mistakes. Or are we witches? (gasps) Another show would see real swords being used, but one sword would break and the tip would fly off into an audience member. Oh! And the audience member would then have a heart attack. What? <laughs> That's a sh- Whoa, that was a twist. In uh, 1928, oh the set would fall I, down. I can't tell if I've been stabbed or I'm having a heart attack. Hey, it's both! It's both, yes. Falls. It's a stabbing pain here and a shooting pain here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. In 1928, the set would fall down on the actors, oh. uh, causing serious harm, and then the dressing room would catch fire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little cherry on top. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, These boom. are all productions of Macbeth, you're saying? Yeah. Wow. Uh, Malcolm Keane, an actor in 1934, would lose his voice mid-show, uh-huh. and then the swing would get to go to the hospital with a really bad fever. Oh. A lot of fevers in this show. A lot of, yeah, it's a feverish, yeah. passionate show. Yeah. Uh, Laurence Olivier was playing the role of Macbeth in 1937 mm-hmm. and almost died when a heavy weight came loose and fell to the stage right next to him. 
barely inches away. Wow. In 1942, the show was being performed and three actors died during the run. What? And the costume designer killed himself after opening night. Jesus, this is like the Spider-Man show, this thing. is like killing people. In uh, 1953, the lead actor, Charlton Heston, wore tights that were soaked in kerosene and then what? Would ex- <laughs> and then would suffer extreme burns on his legs during a show mishap. What? The show was performed in an outdoor theater and using real fire and smoke, and the audience was scared away as the fire blew into them. Again, that felt a little more like showgirls. There is so much <laughs> wrong with that. First of all, the phrase "lead actor Charlton Heston." Yeah. First of all, just <laughs> on its face, okay, that's terrible. Should never happen. What is? Going on with the tights. Why are they soaked in kerosene? I could not find Explain an answer. Explain that I the fuck I literally to me. could not. And why is there fire and kerosene in the show? Well, I'm just that to me really feels like someone wanted him dead. Well, lots of people wanted him dead. For sure. <laughs> but here's the thing. None of these would compare to the role of Lady Macbeth. Oh. It is one of the most feared roles. Yeah. Not just because the leading lady man playing the lady died before opening. Right. But because in 1775, the woman playing the role, Sarah Siddons... Yes, I've heard of her. ...would be chased out of the theater from audiences who thought that the actress was a real killer. Uh, One actress, Diana Weinard, mm-hmm. would fall 15 feet during a production during her sleepwalking scene. Uh, she had chosen... <laughs> she was a little too method, I guess. Well, she chose to close her eyes. Yeah, stupid. And uh, she was fine, however. She got up and finished the show. God, really? Uh, in 1926... She fell off a parapet. <laughs> That's the show must go on, man. <laughs> the show must go on. <laughs> What's that? It's from uh, Moulin Rouge. Okay. In 1926, one of the bit part actors decided they didn't have a big enough role and improvised. They improvised by strangling Lady Macbeth on stage. What? The actress, Sybil Thorndike. Oh, yeah. my God. Another famous tragic Lady what, Macbeth. Wait, what's wrong with that? What? I hope that... Is that guy in jail? What the fuck? I don't know. We, I literally, like... I, that person needs to be in jail. <laughs> Like, I'm going to improvise and by cutting off your windpipe. Some people just do, like, a monologue from another show. Just do a monologue. Don't yeah. start choking people. Well, and My here's God. the thing. Improvising Shakespeare... Because I had to improvise Shakespeare once during my production because the guy who was playing opposite opposite me forgot his lines. Okay. And he turns to me and it's like a big scene where I'm like basically scorning the woman I'm supposed to marry and all this stuff. And he turns to me and and he goes, I know not what to say, my lord. Uh Uh-huh. And I fed him his line. Mm -hmm. And he turned to me again and said, I know not what to say, my lord. And he just kept being blank. This was a super professional show. It sounds like. No, it was not. <laughs> so I basically then had to improvise an iambic pentameter. And That's I was like horrifying. Your daughter is a wanton and a whore. There's literally <laughs> <laughs> the words I said. <laughs> and I had a fever that night. Oh, of course you did. But it was not Macbeth. It Lady was much Macbeth. Macbeth. It was, I was not Lady Macbeth. I'm sorry, Lady Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so the other famous tragic Lady Macbeth moment is with actress Lillian Boyless. Okay. Uh, she died in 1937, right before opening, and delayed the start of the show. Wait. She died? Right. But only delayed the start of the show? Yes. That's dedication. <laughs> <laughs> she's like let me just rally yeah <laughs> then <laughs> just gonna need a minute so then later they would hang a portrait of her in a theater and in 1954 the portrait would fall down from the wall on opening night of the next time that theater would perform Macbeth alright so it's haunted yes. cool. alright it's haunted so if you're playing Lady Macbeth you got to be prepared for some shit to come your way uh yeah cause it's coming swords 
Strangling. Yeah. Um, just death some, falling. Uh, stage light or some sandbags yeah. from the thing. A, a portrait flying off the wall coming at you. Maybe just a heart attack for fun. Yep. There's one more kind of speculation about the curse of the play. Okay. Is that Abraham Lincoln read Macbeth the day before he was killed. Okay, that's apocryphal. The idea is that Macbeth is what killed our President Lincoln. Give me a fucking break, okay? He did not... (laughs) He was a busy guy. He did not have time to read Macbeth the day before he got killed. However, it is known that Macbeth was his favorite play, and he Mm -hmm. read it often. I know what his least favorite play was, too. (laughs) (laughs) It was so bad it killed him. Oh... Assassination isn't funny. Oh, man, if jokes could kill. Uh, <laughs> uh, others do claim that he died because a week before he read aloud the scenes where Duncan is assassinated to a friend on a boat, and it cursed him. Here's the thing, though. He was on a boat, not a theater. Wasn't a theater boat. Yeah, okay. So, so it's not a cur- place you can't say Macbeth. Oh, so you're out here with evidence combating the idea that Lincoln was killed because he read out loud Macbeth. Exactly. Thank God for your evidence. And your evidence was that he's not in a theater. And that's how Macbeth did not kill... Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, thank God you've met this with science. Right. So basically, (laughs) a lot of shit went down because of this cursed play, right? Sounds like. All right. But the biggest and baddest tragedy of all... My God, it keeps escalating. It's getting insane. Okay. As I mentioned... Mm -hmm was in New York City on May 10th, 1849, at the Astor Opera House. Right, people are going to die. The Astor Place riots, yes. It's going to get bad, so buckle down. Well, I went to to college at NYU, and I had my my theater studio was in Astor Place. It was just down Lafayette Street from the the Astor Cube So you were walking around that graveyard. I guess so. Yeah. I never knew, and I've never heard about this. Well, welcome to history. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was all because two actors had a feud. Yes, folks, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford went back in time. <laughs> he's lying, he's lying. He's lying. That's not true. <laughs> Could you imagine, though, if they came back and they're like, you? What year is this? What were we talking about? 1849. 1849, okay. So a little bit before their time. Yeah. Just a bit. Definitely. Okay, but it was a very similar feud between well-known actors Edwin Forrest, who was okay. American, and William Charles McReady, okay. who was English. Okay. Edwin Forrest was really the first star of the theater for Americans born in America. Okay. So, like, they had other theatrical stars that were, like, immigrants yeah. and people who weren't born here. But he because... was a homegrown boy. Yeah. Okay. William Charles right, McReady. Right, he was basically born when the, when the country was, too. Yeah. Okay. William Charles McReady was considered one of the best talents of his generation in British theater. Okay. So they're both like the top of the top. Okay. They're both a bunch of tops. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the two of them were often seen as rivals and would compete as to who was the best Shakespearean actor for the same roles. Mm -hmm. At first, it seemed to be rather lighthearted competition, right? And years before the riots, William Charles McReady would come do a tour. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we just know this is leading to riots and death. Okay. Yeah. So it's very, very lighthearted. <laughs> until the so death. Happy. Yeah. Until, <laughs> until the swords came out of the dead. Yes. So William Charles McReady would come do a tour of America performing around the nation. Mm-hmm. Edwin Forrest saw this as an opportunity for himself and decided to follow McReady around the nation and perform the exact same roles in theaters nearby. Just like an actor. Thus sparking a competition of who played it better. That is shitty. Yeah, so the public went 
fucking gaga over this. Okay. They were like, it's live time reality TV. I love it. Where you just run, it's like, it's like the old timey split screen. Yeah. The best you could do is like, run across town <laughs> instead of, instead of seeing both Manafort and Cohen coming out of uh, courtrooms like we saw yesterday, it would be like, you have to see one show that's like three hours long and then run across town <laughs> and, and see the, the next other one. show yeah. that's three hours long. <laughs> and you're like, it was like, it was like it was happening at the same time. Yes. Oh, oh God! Well, and what's great is that it actually was really great for box sale, box office. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. It was really great for box office sales. It was great for box sales too, because people would be, you know, you'd have to, because that's how they were advertising. Somebody would stand on a box. Hey, that's yeah, hey, yeah, exactly. we're putting on a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. Right, and if you don't have a box, then you're just screaming as part of a crowd. So, which is which is this is happening in America? Okay, England, get out of here. No, they followed him. He's a he's a posse. <laughs> That's the English posse. Okay. Yeah. So um, after the American tour, Forrest would then go to England to do the same thing there. Jesus, uh, tons of people came to see him. Tons of British people, but things would sour a bit. In the middle of the yeah. 1840s. Yeah, it sounds like this is such a shitty thing to do. <laughs> Forrest would, uh, we would go to the uh, UK and do another tour. Mm-hmm. Only this time, barely any people showed up to his shows. Oh, they're like, saw this, did that already. So Edwin was totally rational and copped it up to his 15 minutes of fame were over, right? No. No, no. absolutely he not. He lost his Fucking mind. Good, and good man. And he then went to go see McReady in a performance of Hamlet and hissed from the audience throughout the performance and is quoted saying the performance was, quote, a desecration of the scene. Whoa. Yes. What a dickhead. Literally lost his fucking mind. Yeah. When he came back, he refused to feel sorry for his actions, and the upper class in America was completely pearl-clutching affronted. Sure. And the working class was all like, yeah, fuck the man! So they're on his side? Right. Well, who are there more of? (laughs) So, exactly. (laughs) Basically, fans of the theater back in this day were similar to that of those of, like, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. I see. Are you, which are you? A K-Pair or a T-Swift? I tend to err on the side of Katy Perry. Okay. I do enjoy some Taylor Swift stuff. Okay. I enjoy Katy Perry more. Okay. Um, I have to go with Taylor Swift because you can fit her in a suitcase and take her with you. What? She got hidden in a piece of luggage once. Why? To avoid the paparazzi. Seriously? Yeah. That's a skill, and you should be in awe of it. I mean, appropriately. Yeah, I know I am, but it's also tragic. Why? We should do that as an episode that she had to hide because she can't live her fucking life because people won't leave her alone. Next week on The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason, <laughs> Taylor Swift! <laughs> so, In the overhead compartment. Basically, the uh, these people, because they love their leaders so much, would agree with them mm-hmm. and would tear the place down if they needed to. Who? Like, it, like the people who loved Edwin Forrest. Got it. Or William Charles McReady. Okay. Um... All right, they so, were rabid fans. Yeah. Sure, that's not a new thing. But okay. this basically was his booing and hissing was one of the biggest scandals of the day. Okay. Like, sure. Probably bigger than Manafort and Cohen combined. Yeah, for sure. For that day. Well, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, the worst thing I've ever heard of. So basically, the men were no longer <laughs> nice about their feud. Uh-huh. It was personal. Sure. It's personal. Okay. <laughs> McReady fans made sure that the rest of Forrest's tour in the UK was not covered by the press, and if it was, it was not well received. Wow. As a result. 
Forrest would retaliate by making sure that if McReady was in the States, then another theater would have a better showing than him, and that his house would be riled up and hostile. Wow. Yep. Jeez. Nothing like some good old American hospitality, Fucking right? just stay to your corners, man. You've got a good thing going in England. I've got a good thing over in America. Okay, America's growing. England is not getting any bigger because it's a fucking island. So, you know. Have your good time and eat your cake. Yeah, and I'll have mine over here, you yeah. know. Why can't you do that, Forrest? Yeah, I don't know. Just run, Forrest. Run back <laughs> to America and do your thing there. So, Get into a long run, Forrest. A long run of a show. Yeah. <laughs> so, McReady, for some reason, was like, it's probably a really good idea for me to go back to a place where someone who hates me enough to <laughs> boo me for an entire show lives and perform my own show again. Yeah, sure. So, he would return to America to do another tour in 1849. Yeah, so he's asking for it. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I don't want to victim shame, but basically, just like... I, I, I gather neither of these guys are victims so much. No, they're both pretty... Terrible. Anyway, okay. so as you guessed it, Forrest had calmed down by this time and apologized for his bad behavior, right? I think you're tricking me again. That's right! Yay! Yay! He's still losing his mind. <laughs> yeah, he booked himself into all the theaters along the tour and followed that McBitch around the nation. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're McReady for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Look at me, McFuckface. <laughs> So, in Cincinnati, the audience heckled McReady by throwing half of a dead sheep onto the stage at him. That's <laughs> fucking extreme. <laughs> You're like, I'm just trying to do a little bit of, you know, Twelfth Night, and there's like half a dead sheep up here? This is now when the public started to split on the issue between the performers. Okay. The upper class and wealthy were all for McReady, and the lower class and working folks were all about the forest. It's because the accent. Yep. Yep. They think that he's more posh because he's British. Yeah. At this time, there was a real anti-British sentiment among the American citizens. Mm -hmm. They were still feeling the effects of the Revolutionary War and the mm -hmm. War of 1812. Sure. Which we're definitely going to talk about someday. Because okay. Because that is a mess from the little bit that I looked at. Sounds like it, yeah, just it was, from it the title. Mess. It was a war. Right. Yeah. <laughs> In addition to the anti-British sentiment going on with the American citizens, there was also a real anti-immigration thing going on at the time, where the working-class Americans who were born in America were mad at the Irish for coming over and mad at the rich for oppressing them. Well, cool, but we fixed that situation yeah, by now, so, so that's good. A nation of immigrants where everyone's from somewhere else, and we still apparently can't get our head... Whatever. Yeah, but I'm from somewhere else from before you're from somewhere else, so... Ha ha! Ha ha! So basically, there's a lot of shit going down sure. in the public right now. Okay. But, despite the anti-Britishness, mm -hmm. for some reason, Shakespeare was not frowned upon. Which was good news for Forrest and McReady. Well, because he, he was a dead Englishman. Yeah. So we're fine with those. The only Englishman that's good is a dead Englishman, like Shakespeare! <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> However, William Charles McReady, being British, was becoming more and more unliked by the American public. Oh, dear. Public. Okay. The uh, working class public. Okay. The majority of people. Right. Quote, McReady seems to be the, quote, pet of princes, and double quote. Oh. Was printed and passed around to smear him. Okay. You like my double quote? Yeah, I am. Yeah. It was a quote within a quote. I guess so. Forrest made his stage debut in the Bowery District at the Bowery Theater while work, w with working class people watching and loving him. 
William Charles McReady was known for only playing super nice venues where the rich would go watch. Mm -hmm. So, like, they were known for their venues and their spaces. Okay. Like, Forrest was loved by some rich people, but he would mostly go hang out with the lower... The lower folks. Okay. Um, or, you know, the majority of the country. All right. The tour that they would do would eventually get to NYC mm-hmm. where the shit would fly. Sure. Astor Place. Yes. Let's get there. McReady was going to perform the titular role of Macbeth at the Astor Place Opera House. Okay. And across the street, Edwin Forrest would perform the titular role of Macbeth at the Broadway Theater. You're fucking kidding me. Two shows of Macbeth <laughs> on Broadway at the same Literally time? Literally across the street. This has gone batshit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So That's nuts. Imagine that right now, okay? Yeah. Mamma Mia, all right, is and then the Broadhurst, <laughs> and across the street is playing a rival show of Mamma Mia? You know that I would go see both. Well, you would. I would be like, yes, I need to see the discrepancies and the differences and who's better and who's going to get the Tony. Oh, my God. You are maniacal. I can't wait. Okay. Do it. Do it, Broadway. Cher is going to get the Tony. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you better do That's it. That's crazy. They were both doing Macbeth at the same time on the same street at the same time. Yes. Okay. And if that was not bad enough. It was. He was already viewed, Charles was already viewed as an uppity British man. And the Astor Place Opera House had a dress code that all but ensured that working and lower class people would not be able to attend. You had to be dressed. You needed to wear (laughs) kid gloves and a white vest to see a show at the Opera House. Really? Yeah. Which, by the way, I love that it's called kid gloves. No, that's a real thing. I know it's a real thing, but all I could think about is like, you've got to be able to fit these little (laughs) bitty gloves on your hand (laughs) and come into (laughs) our place. (laughs) It's not just a dress code. You also have to have dainty hands. Yes. We can't have ogres just crashing about. What is this? What do you do? Oh, you're a smith of some kind. <laughs> Absolutely not. But meet me up back. What is that? <gasps> it's a callus. Oh. Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The energy of the anti-William Charles McReady upper class was about to blow. Mm-hmm. May 7th, several days before the <laughs> I actual... I think it already blows, but sure. <laughs> May 7th, several days before the actual riots would be the day the fuse was lit. Okay. All right, get ready for this shit. I'm ready. It's going to get real. All right. Some of the people involved with the publicity and promotion of the shows were right. a little worried that some assholes might show up and act like a dick, but it was going to ensure good profits. So who cares about safety? Am I right? Am I right? You're right. Am I right? You're right. Uh, uh, money, right? right? Money, right? Totally. Money, money, money. So, Greed, money, money. Greed, yes. <laughs> Neblo. Uh, who is a manager of the what? Opera House. What? Ne- uh, that's what I found. His name is Neblo. His whole name is Neblo? I couldn't find anything else. It okay. just said Neblo, a manager. Okay. A, a little goblin who ran the Opera House. <laughs> Neblo. My precious. <laughs> Macbeth is my precious. Jesus. Lady Macbeth is okay. my real precious. <laughs> She's like, get off me. Yeah, gnome, and she kicks him down the stairs. And everything's right with the world. Oh, cool. It ended the curse. Who knew? You just had to kick a gnome down the stairs. <laughs> so there's a person named Neblo who is the manager of the opera house. Go, huh? He acted like an airline company and oversold the show. Okay. And uh, he hadn't expected that many people were going to want to buy tickets, but they were sold out, like completely sold out. Okay, and so he, he invented airline travel. Cool. Yeah. And he was starting to think that maybe the people coming that night were not coming to enjoy the performance of McReady. 
but maybe more to do something worrisome. Well, this is super easy, though, to get out of this, because you're like, when you see a ticket for Macbeth, and you can just pretend like it's the other Macbeth. You'd be right. like... Oh, no, you're across the street. Oh, no, this is the one across the street. You're looking for that Macbeth. Neblo, I know you work at the Astor Place. Neblo, Neblo. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I wish you could have seen it. He hunched down and became Gollum. I was a gnome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, All right. So, Neblo called the police and asked for a security detail. Okay. All right, so... Showtime! Opening night! Oh, exciting. There was a really large crowd waiting outside the theater of McReady's Macbeth. Okay. And when the doors opened, they stormed the theater, filling all the seats Uh and completely filling the aisles. Okay. Basically, if you could stand there, they would be standing. Sure. The rich would slowly show up and fill up their box seats... But mm-hmm. they were getting a little bit anxious oh, because of how many people were there. There's a lot of, it seems, riffraff here, don't you think, darling? Ooh, witches! <laughs> I'm so glad I decided to date all of English society. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, this was the perfect representation of the rich versus the poor. Uh-huh. The audiences were segregated, and it was a mismatch. Rich, rich on top, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I found that most rich like to be on bottom. (laughs) (laughs) That's rich. The more rough-and-tumble group was very polite, though, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple of finger gestures to some of the rich. Mm -hmm. But they waited quietly until the show was to start. Mm -hmm. But then the crowd started to get restless and began to stomp their feet, indicating that they were ready for a show. This was actually a really common thing in those times, uh-huh. but it would normally die off and then start off again. It was kind of like, you know, wedding kiss, like hit the glass a bunch oh, of times yeah. uh-huh. kind of thing. This, however, would not die off. It was like an earthquake. Okay, they're stomping their feet. Yep. Is this before the show starts? Yep. Okay. And it got so loud and aggressive that the chandeliers were swinging from the vibration. Mm-hmm. Colonel Mustard now was getting very nervous. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't take any more surprises. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Finally, the show started. Yeah, good. McReady walked onto the stage. Yeah. The crowd from the boxes roared uh-huh. with approval. And they heaved a half of a cow at him. <laughs> no, they oh. didn't. They, they like him. Oh, fine. So they roared approval for the show uh, they're going to see. Fine. However, as the roar died down, the other side of the audience, the poor folks began to hiss and boo, and the noise grew... And McReady was shocked and stood there with his arms folded, waiting for them for it to die down. But they would not. They would not shut up. Really? So he walked along the stage, staring out at the people who were losing their shit, but the people still would not silence. So he decided to start the show. What? But no one could hear him. Sure. They would continue to heckle. So he would continue the show using pantomime, because no one could hear his words over the noise. How do you mime Shakespeare? That's I incredible. Know. You think about miming an iambic pentameter? Yeah, try it. Oh my god. <laughs> out, out, damn spot. How yeah. do you even do that? I know, I can get out, out. Please don't, please don't start pantomiming on a podcast. Please don't do that. <laughs> Jason started doing it. Ooh, I'm not saying it wasn't convincing. I'm yeah. saying I'm the only one who can see. <laughs> I was really proud of myself. All right. So they're still screaming at him, right? Mm-hmm. Finally, Lady Macbeth would come onto the stage. And the cast and crew thought that having a woman on stage might command a bit of respect. Because back then people treated right, women with a little yeah, bit of Yeah, people respect women, sure. Uh, and that she could calm them down. They not only did not quiet down... But she ran away mortified at what they said to her. They said things that were so horrible that she got embarrassed oh and ran off the stage. God. They said that she was basically blushing through her rouge. Oh, wow. Um, 
McReady, however, was determined to go on with the show and move forward. But the audience was not happy about this. They were like, what, why aren't you getting the message? Yeah. So he started to speak again, and then the first potato would hit the stage. <gasps> oh. oh, no. <laughs> then eggs. Oh. Then came the first chair. Oh, my God. <laughs> During the protest, the angry folks screamed a lot of very nasty anti-British statements, such as, quote, Go off the stage, you English fool, and shame, shame, and down with the codfish aristocracy. Oh, my God. Then came the second chair, and McReady had officially had it and left the stage. So, so where do you get chairs? Aren't they in theater seats like that are bolted to the floor? Somebody those, brought a chair? They lifted those chairs up and threw them. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, curtain down. Oh, okay. Uh, without the show being finished. However, on the other These side... people are... I'm just going to say it. They're rude. They are rude, yeah. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the street, Forrest would say the line from his show, quote, What rhubarb, senna, or what purgative drug will scour these English hence? Hmm. And the crowd would give him a standing ovation. Wow. So okay. he's, doing, he's having a great show. Sure. As, yeah. Mac, as the titular role of Macbeth. Oh, my God. And McReady is... Having a bad show. Yeah. So basically, McReady heard the message loud and clear. He was ready to walk out the door and head back home to England and never come back. Thanks. But no, that would make sense. Yes. Thanks to a group of rich people who loved him, including Herman Melville, the American novelist known for Moby Dick, sure. and Washington Irving, the author of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, sure. he was convinced to stay and perform. Hey. They were not only <laughs> going to have the police there this time, but the mm-hmm. militia was on standby if something would go wrong. Mm-hmm. That's going to go wrong, right? Uh, well, we've, no one's died yet, so yes. Absolutely. Um, Don't be a Moby Dick. So... <laughs> <laughs> my whale noise. I know, I'm just here with a harpoon hoping you come close. (laughs) So, he would try once again to perform Macbeth on May 10th. Okay. This time, however, Forrest would play a different show across the street since he had already successfully performed his Macbeth. Oh, and He's like, I already did my Macbeth. This time I'm gonna do hair. (laughs) Hair, 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 hair. Curtain. Um... The working class, however, was up in arms about this. They were like, "We, I thought he got the fucking message. Get mm-hmm. the fuck out. So they quickly made and hung posters around the city that read, quote, Working men, shall Americans or English rule in the city? The crew of the British steamer have threatened all Americans who shall dare to offer their opinions this night at the English aristocratic opera house. What? Working men, free men, stand up to your lawful rights. To what? Not have English people in a theater near you? Mm-hmm. That's not a right. They wanted their free speech, but not other people's free speech, basically. Don't buy a ticket! So, however, this time, the Astor Opera House was ready. Oh, good. They had a ton of plainclothes cops in the theater mm. who had also been... Well, not plainclothes. They had white vests and kid gloves. Well, yes, yes, yes. of course. Actually, yes, yes. fancy clothes cops. <laughs> <laughs> Respect the house with fancy clothes cops. They'd also been infiltrating the protesters earlier in the day and knew of their plan to once again be loud during the show and not let it proceed. And they were all in the theater when everyone came in. Sure. But Isaiah Rinders, who loves Forrest and basically helped lead the protests of May 7th, would give out free tickets to protesters to get into the theater to stop the show once again. How did he get them? Were they forged or something? I don't know. He, I think, had money. Okay. Um... So this time they made sure that the only people only people with tickets were going to get in the theater despite the large crowd that pressed forward to enter. Uh-huh. So the police were, like, holding the line. 
Okay. They had boarded up every single window but one, which they missed. Oops. So people outside started hurling stones and rocks through it and oh. into the audience who were all very startled and upset by this turn of events. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. So enter the moment that the protesters who had managed to infiltrate the theater took action, right? Okay. They all started booing and upon a signal were going to rush the stage what? and collectively grab McReady. Oh, and do what with him? Saw him in half? Probably. So the police were ready for that signal, and then after the protesters' signal happened, they did their own signal, and they all sprang into action. It was a bat! <laughs> they caught all the protesters super quickly, and they were all tossed out of the theater. Oh. Except for the leaders, who were placed in a holding cell in the theater. Okay. You know, theater jail. Wait, how, you, you have a holding cell in the theater? They made, like, a theater jail. Oh, sure. It's from the set of their previous show. <laughs> the Kinky Mame. Kinky Mame. Yes. <laughs> you bring the nip. Clamps in the style. Name. <laughs> <laughs> M A I M. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so now the show would go on uh-huh. that the theater had been cleared of the protesters. Oh, fine, good. But it was a really rather tense show. Oh, sure. Why? Can you imagine? Well,. Because shit could go down, anything could happen at any time, and also the leaders of the protest are still in the theater in a jail? Because outside, 10,000 people were shouting and throwing shit at the theater. What? Yep. During the show, the noise from outside was growing, and the audience and actors couldn't help but be very aware of the hostility from the outside in. And as this was happening, another writer, Ned Bruntline, uh-huh. who wrote about Buffalo Bill and wanted to stop the show was basically leading the protests. Okay. He was uh, Rinder's right-hand man. Okay. And he would lead the protesters to throw stones at the theater, fight with the police to be let in and stop it, and then they tried to set fire to the theater. Oh, my God. Look, guys, sometimes the show must not go on. Just cut it out. So by the end of the show, McReady again would have to pantomime it because the noise from outside was so loud that people couldn't hear him. Well, at least the end of the show is a lot of just dying. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. All I can think about is Forrest's show. Mm-hmm. It's going to be loud over there, too. So, like, he's well, performing true. as well, and yeah, he's but, like... Yeah, but he's doing Susical. It's not a big deal. People are there mostly for the makeup. <laughs> and the Spine. dancing. Yeah. Woo, Ooh, look wow. at that kick! <laughs> All right. He would finish his show, however, and he would leave the stage and then put on a disguise and flee the theater with armed guard. I wonder where he found a costume to put on. <laughs> it's a theater. <laughs> I know! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So he almost would flee his hotel that very same night because Mm -hmm. people knew where he was staying and Mm -hmm. there was a risk that people would storm the hotel. But he waited until morning and then left for Boston. Okay. And then, like, after this was done. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, the show was over and he was gone. So everyone should go home, right? No. 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 We got shit to destroy. Yep. That didn't matter because the people outside had lost their collective fucking minds. Absolutely. It doesn't matter if we've accomplished our goal. Let's just keep blowing shit up. So the leaders of this mess said, let's call in the militia. Yeah. And the local militia was brought into the scene of the riot. And when they couldn't calm people down, they did the next best thing. Start burning and killing. Open fire. Yeah. First up in the air. And when that didn't work, into the crowd. What? Around 22 to 31 people would be killed, and many of the people who would come to watch the riots as a show were hit by bullets and injured themselves. Oh, my God. Around 48 So, more... the militia came to stop the riot and just fired into the riot. And into innocent people. Into people. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Into civilians. Right. Around 48 more people were injured, and most of the people killed were completely innocent. Oh weren't even rioters. God. 
there was a young boy who was also killed. Wow. About 70 policemen were injured, and 141 military men were wounded by rocks and other things thrown at them. 141? Yeah. Well, they, they had good numbers for the military because they could keep track of their... Oh, sure. Yeah. Everything else a little wonky. Yeah. Okay. So... The rich were happy that the military showed the for- that force of and course, killed people. Because, because some poor people got killed. Yeah, well, sure. they're, they're also thinking, that's going to help the poor think twice about getting too big for their britches and will keep them in their place. I completely follow that line of thought. The Opera House would be renamed the, quote, Massacre Opera House and the, quote, Disaster Place. Yes! By the locals. Yes! And it would never recover. Thank you, New Yorkers, for naming it Disaster Place. The rich weren't really concerned as the Disaster Place would collapse. And no. not, not in and of itself, like, from the right, but, like, it would financially... It went under, yeah. sure, because nobody um, wants to work there anymore. So they built a new theater up near Union Square mm-hmm. because building a classist theater in a square designed for Union protests is definitely a great idea. I, I'm not following. You're saying there's some irony there? Yeah, there's some irony. Okay. As time went on, Shakespeare would turn into entertainment only for the upper class, and the lower classes would move on to theaters where Shakespeare wouldn't happen. Which is ironic, because he wrote, well, he wrote, he wrote it for, for everybody, massive, but he, yeah. there were a lot of jokes that were very bawdy and just for yeah, the groundlings. For, yeah. The, I learned that in Theater 101. I lo- you're so smart. I'm a real theater person. You are so smart. Oh. <laughs> okay. So the... Thanks, all of England. <laughs> The new theater that was built in Union Square was built keeping in mind that they should not divide the classes so obviously mm. so that they could avoid a riot like last time. Sure. So there's like still places that you can spend more money to, to sit in. But yeah. They're like a couple less box seats. I see. A couple more like middle mm-hmm. class people. The top leaders of the riot, including Ned Bertline, were convicted, put mm-hmm. in jail, and given a fine for starting the riots. Okay. Were, were they put in a real jail this time? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But what happened to the guys? The uh, guys? the feud brothers. What? Oh, oh, the two actors? Yeah. I don't know. Let's find out. Okay. Quote from smithsonianmagazine.com. Quote, Forrest continued in outsized ego, drawing out a dramatic public divorce from his English wife, oh. and performed until his death in 1872, returning to the stage in part so that the American public, which had so enthusiastically supported him in his early career, might do so again by paying his alimony. Whoa! William McReady. What a okay. What a dick. Yeah. He's like, I so hate the British that I'm divorcing my British wife. Yep. So he came to that idea then. Jesus. Yeah. All right. William McReady retired from the stage in 1851, writing in his diary with evident relief that quote, I shall never have to do this again. <laughs> he was really fucked up, which well, is really sad. Well, yeah, well, but he, I mean, he wasn't flawless. He did bad things too. But. Well, I feel like if anyone's like the victim here, it's him. Like, no, he definitely of, those two. of the two, he's definitely more the victim. I mean, Jesus, it feels like Forrest is just like was just dogging him all the time for no real reason. Right, McReady's just wow. trying to live his life, and Forrest is like, hey, 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 right, hey, all the time. Hey. Also, we're gonna kill you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what's the bright side to all this? Hey! Yay! We came around to the other side. Oh, my goodness. God, this is insane. So, Macbeth is a show that brings a lot of intrigue and entertainment to the masses. Okay. That's the bright side. So, one, yeah, no, one, I would say one bright side of this is that it actually keeps interest in Macbeth. Right. As a thing, which is a great work of art itself. Yeah. So, you know, if however you got to get people there... You know, yeah. get them there. Yeah, if you have to have a riot of ten thousand people, yeah. have a riot. No, don't have These a riot. People did not die in vain. Yeah. Okay, because now middle schoolers know about the cauldron. Yes, cauldron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> double, double toil and trouble. There you go. Yes. All right. 
The other thing is, it's really not as cursed as we think it is. If you really look at the history of it and why things happen, like, it's not as bad as you think. It's, right. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a violent show. People are going to get hurt. It, it, people get hurt in every show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's superstition. But it sounds like, I mean, this show's been around for 500 years. Yeah. And it's one of the most performed plays ever. Right. So if anything is going to, like, have a confluence of stuff, it's a show that's been around forever and is very often performed. Right. So, you know, a lot of shit goes down for The Crucible, too. Of course. <laughs> you know. Right. Not that it's been around for 500 years, but I mean, like, but it's, it's a very well-known, yeah. You know, but it has that occult kind of bent to it. And so it, like, has a heightened uh, interest in it. And... You know, and it also has violence, and it also has like gore and all that stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a dramatic show mm-hmm. <clears throat> for sure. Well, and, and and I still think back to that thing about like when actors heard producers say the word Macbeth, they knew their show was about to be canceled. So like it it wouldn't shock me. Actors are smart people. They're also very dramatic. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they took the dramatic route of getting people to not say it. I think that sounds plausible. Yeah. Right. So we can completely debunk the idea that itself, that Macbeth itself is a cursed show. Right. Right. And and here's the thing. I have done productions of other things mm-hmm. where it seems like the show is cursed because right. everything goes wrong. <laughs> but it turns out that I, well, I've done that too, but it turns out that I am super not talented. <laughs> and that is why the show is going badly. <laughs> but no, but seriously, like it's, it's, it, sometimes the show just doesn't like, if the cast isn't a good cast fit. If the space doesn't work for the show, like, right. it's just, it's not going to well, work. I think that any creative process, like, that I've ever had, there's always a moment in it where I'm like, this is the worst. I am horrible. I never should have started this. It's the, it's going to, to totally. fail. It's the worst. Right. You know, like, it's cursed. It's, the thing is cursed. It's never going to go. Right. It's just, for me, that's, like, part of the creative process. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shitty part, but it's part of it, you know? And then you come through that to yeah. the bright side. Yes. You know, I think another bright side to this, actually, is the McGreedy supporters, right? right? They did a bad thing in calling the militia to put down the riot, right? Right. But in supporting the show, they were actually there for really good intentions and supporting a really American principle of free speech. Right. They were saying that this person... Uh, you can call him elitist or you can call him, you can not like him be just because he's British or something, but he has a right to work his craft and, and, and perform a show. Like, right. he's an actor and you should let him speak. And the principle of free speech would say that he, you should let him do it, you know? You know, it's horrible. Like, you, you, can't, you can't have that. And, 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 you know, maybe we learned our lesson to some extent, right? Right. Police started to learn more about how to deal with riots so they didn't have to bring in militia anymore. Okay. It's like... This is nuts. Yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a bright side, but the Macbeth myth that it's a cursed show is, if you don't take it too seriously, super fun. And, oh, you know, it's a thing that bonds people in the theater to say the Scottish play and da-da-da-da-da. That's how I've always taken it. Well, it's also there's also an element of, like, fraternal and sorority yeah. hazing of the younger actors who, d- who don't know. And it's mm-hmm. just like... it's Every it's, group needs in-jokes. Right. And the cursed play, you know, is a theater person in-joke, and it makes you feel like part of the crowd. So... The different kind of curses, you know, the different kinds of ways that the show is cursed, you know, I think all lends to the myth, and if you don't take it too seriously, is a lot of fun. Yeah, well, and, and here's the thing. I don't say it in the theater because I respect the people yeah. who don't 
Yeah. I don't have superstitions, but my husband does, and I have learned to just respect them and find them adorable. Like, he doesn't want to, if we're walking down the street, he doesn't want to let a thing come between us because it breaks the juju between us, the energy. Like, a lamppost. Really? Yeah, or a pillar of a thing. That's he so wants funny. To, we have to walk on the same side of it. See, I like I like separating for a second mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh, then we came back together. Oh, okay. See, see, I see it more like that. It's very different. Like he has a whole different thing. He like he will walk full around a car to avoid to, to avoid walking around a pillar. That's really cute. Mm-hmm. But if we do, if something forces you to change it, what his what he does is he has to say bread and butter, bread and butter, or oh, I know uh, bread and butter things that go well together. So he'll say <laughs> he'll say cock and balls, cock and balls. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes the superstition is just as fun as the thing you do to make up for when it's broken. It's I, just, great. I really hope that sometimes strangers are near you as he just screams cock and balls with no explanation. Usually they are, yes. <laughs> That's usually why he says it. He's wonderful. <laughs> All right, well, this has been really fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for bringing this it's kind to... Kind of a wild story, right? It is a wild story. I, I, and I went to school on Astor Place for four years and never knew anything about it. They need to teach the children. They do need... Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. We hope that you've had a good time this week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah, and thanks for all... For spreading the word. Yep. We're keeping keeping telling your friends and family and... Mm -hmm. uh, and thanks to whoever in Uganda has downloaded the the show. Thanks so much. It's Uganda? Or Uganda? I thought it was Uganda. I mean, you know, thanks to anyone in Africa who happens to <laughs> download the show. We appreciate it. <laughs> Keep listening. Ooh, I might have got it right. Witches. Oh, yes. And thanks to all of England for listening. <laughs> all right. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Macbeth. We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Brightside K and J, and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website, www.thebrightsidewithkevinandjason.com. Until next week, don't forget to look, look on, on the, the bright, bright side. side.